Concerning Talk on February 10th, Wednesday evening, 7.30 at Berkeley's First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way. This KPFA benefit is wheelchair accessible. Richard will be hosted by Sabrina Jacobs, whose unique show, A Rude Awakening, airs Monday afternoons on KPFA. Advanced tickets available at brownpapertickets.com and at supporting independent bookstores. For this wry evening with a great economist, cutting through the bullfruit, offering a positive outlook, February 10th. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up in darkness from the ones who walk in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is December the 22nd. Jingle bells. <laughs> Did you hear that last show, boys and girls? Yes. Oh, a gentleman from Harvard telling us about the toys. Is gender about toys, do you think? Androgyny. Hmm, I'll get around to that. I'll get around to that later. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 let's not always see the same hands, boys and girls. Let's try, let us try to be light of heart. I always like to say that uh, the men learn from the animals and the women learn from the plants, which is why... Men stand up and women sit down. It's all nonsense. Anyway, uh, we're rained out this week. Thank the goddess water. Of course, it is cold, very cold. Uh, I just get up and then I go back to bed and turn the electric blanket up to nine. Uh, speaking of gender, yes, I'm going to jump right into my gender bit here because... <laughs> I, I'm still. My head is still ringing from that last show. You can always tell a Harvard man, but you can't tell him much. Anyway, yes, there's a movie out called The Danish Girl. It's about a uh, trans trans person. Uh, Eddie Red plays this. I mean, uh, he's a unique actor. Uh, the Danish Girl, well, I, I saw a 10-minute preview on cable. It's a 
biography of one of the first, they're calling it the first, I don't know if it really is, one of the first persons to undergo gender confirmation surgery. I'm told that's what we call it, yes. Gender confirmation surgery. Got it? That's what they, that's what they call it, yes. In any case, I guess it's an art film, or anyway, it's arty. I don't know yet. Uh, but anyway, uh, Reddy, uh, Eddie Redmayne is the new kid on the block on the screen. That is, he he's up for awards. He plays this transgendered individual, the Danish girl. His woman lover is his companion and his... Uh, Support uh, comes from her and from his other friends. Uh, <clears throat> now, yes, this Dane becomes the Danish girl. The look of the film is enough for me. It's just gorgeous. Anyway, <clears throat> the dresses will hold me, you know, early, early 20th century. Uh, now, this guy, Eddie Redmayne, has become a star. He played a Stephen Hawking's in a recent film. And I liked him, best of all, in a uh, 12th century story about a sculptor. It was called Pillars of the Earth. In that movie, he was an emerging artist in the Middle Ages, and he learns the trade of a stonemason, he carves the statues in the great Gothic cathedrals and finally gets to Paris and we see the the rise of faith and those great, great towers. Anyway, that was a terrific series. <clears throat> His mother was a, a witch. Well, uh, they called her a witch. She was actually a healer, an ex-nun. She was persecuted as a witch, uh, Pillars of the Earth is still on DVD, I think, you can, but you can get it. Uh, this new film, The Danish Girl, uh, put me in mind of one of the most famous or infamous, some people say, uh, the most famous person to undergo uh, <laughs> gender confirmation surgery, and that is a woman... Uh, named Jan Morris. Uh, she's one of the most amazing writers I know. Uh, now, I had no idea of her story, her trans background, when I first read her work years and years ago. Uh, Jan Morris was an athlete, or is, probably still is an athlete. Uh, he was a World War II veteran, a husband and a father, and uh, his prose is more than elegant. It is beatific. His book about Venice is one of my favorites. Uh, now, there is an excerpt from his, her Venice memoir in the current issue of Vanity Fair. Check it out. Uh, it's a beautiful what he does with his... his uh, perceptions of Venice. Uh, anyway, that article in uh, Vanity Fair is also a background on his life. He <coughs> wrote in 
writes about his first arrival in Venice in 1945. <coughs> he goes on and on about marriage to what he called, who, let's see, says, my Elizabeth and his two children. Uh, now, check it out if you care or you are concerned about the arrival of transgendered people in the 20th century, because uh, the 21st century is going to be a little uh, androgyny, <laughs> I guess. Uh, people have so much trouble. This is not about uh, either or, that is, either male or female. It's about both and. <clears throat> anyway, uh, a woman... Jan Morris was a woman who was born a biological man. And see, she's older than I am now. I've heard some interviews with her. Uh, her history led me to understand uh, her unique story, mostly as a writer, most of all. Now, this new film, The Danish Girl, may not help people understand the trans community, but... It certainly tries to place a transgendered woman in her role as an artist. We are more than our gender, of course. Now, Jan Morris is a British intellectual. That's her, what is that, her primary identification. Uh, but she's also a pioneer in her search for authenticity. Now... It is almost the 20th, 21st century. It's been, what now, almost 16 years into... Uh, we're there. We're there. Uh, this is who we are. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> let me tell you about just one TV series that caught my eye this week. It's on HBO. Talk about cutting edge. It's called Getting On. As in... People getting older. It's a sitcom. 18 half hours. HBO. You can see it all in one weekend. <laughs> it pushes the envelope, as they say. Now, that used to mean breaking sexual taboos or language taboos. But these days, I see more and more screenplays that deal with mortality. Death. Ever since Six Feet Under, uh, a masterpiece, you remember, Six Feet Under, uh, what is that? That was a drama series. It was not a, not a comedy. Uh, these new scripts that I'm seeing everywhere, they, they grasp the nettle and say the unsayable. Getting on is about old people, mostly women, and, uh, it's pretty grotesque. Um, we see both their caretakers and the patients themselves all trapped. They're all trapped together in this final stage of life. They're in a place that's not quite a hospital. It's adjacent to a hospital. And there's a fearless approach to life and death here. Uh, uh, this is one of those attempts. To make the world safe for satire. Warning. It can be gross. It's called getting on. Now, the worst uh, 
uh, of the Doctors is played by Laurie Metcalf. You may remember Laurie Metcalf. She played the sister of Roseanne Barr in the show Roseanne for many, many years. Uh, <laughs> she's obsessed, this, this doctor, this character. She's obsessed with geriatric stools. I won't go on to give you the details, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it does gross me out. The uh, principal roles uh, in this show are sure to be up for the awards when they come around. Uh, some terrific stuff here. This crew of characters is not just a nightmare. It's a kind of hideous gang we recognize as modern medicine's mad scientists. Uh, wildly exaggerated, of course, but these are egomaniacal screwballs. The script is, well, it has all these grotesque details that I I cannot describe. But let's say that uh, I'm glad I can't smell them. Uh, now, if you remember a show called Nurse Jackie, uh, you remember that that show definitely gave us a hospital, um, what do you call that, for real. It was authentic. I it was a half-hour sitcom, but it was definitely based uh, on something quite realistic. Uh, but this new show, Getting On, has been around for a while, uh, is, oh, shoot, I guess just a blatant farce. Uh, all my favorite actors, or most of them, are showing up here in guest roles, uh, Rhea, Rhea Perlman appeared in uh, one of the shows. She's, <laughs> she's, she's insane. She's running around on her stumps. Uh, she's a criminal. Uh, and uh, she was last seen climbing down the side of the hospital. Never mind. Uh, I saw Mary Kay Place. Uh playing a royal bitch. Harry Dean Stanton, he plays a, a randy elder, an old guy. He comes to the ward to see his his beloved birdie, and he, uh, oh, no, 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 I can't say it, not on the air, but I was impressed. That's Harry Dean Stanton. <clears throat> now, Several characters from Six Feet Under turned up. Uh, you remember the one who played Ruth, the lead in uh, Six Feet Under? Uh, she's there to foil one of the main characters. Uh, now, some of these doctors and uh, health care providers are willing to, you know, kill their patients just so they can include them in their research. Uh, also, they're all about making a lot of money. Now, one of them, the one who's working on geriatric stools, her lab mice get loose at one point, And I have to say, I have to say, I started giggling wildly. It reminded me of a scene in Nurse Jackie. Many years ago, Nurse Jackie had passed out. She was in kind of a coma. She's kind of drugged up. She looks up in the ceiling and she sees, I guess it's a sort of a air conditioner or something, and she sees this little mouse running back and forth, 
back and forth. That's kind of, you know, it's kind of her, uh, well, I won't say it's holy, but it's kind of her magic moment. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, the script, the script in uh, Getting On uh, does try to find ways to uh, permit these sadistic screwballs to do the right thing. Just when you think all is lost, Laurie Metcalf, the uh, the uh, doctor who is a study in paranoid narcissism, she encounters a patient, uh, a new age healer. This is a young woman. She's come to the hospice to die. She's a cancer patient. Uh, not a hair on her head. She wears these little caps. Anyway, this patient is a revelation it seems that uh, she holds hands she does a laying on of hands that's one of her healing techniques Uh, she believes that this can be transformative I read that something like that is or was practiced in the 1970s by a priest who is the the doctor or the healer uh, to the Dalai Lama, uh, for real. Now, in this TV series, Getting On, we actually see some of the effects of this, uh, uh, what do you call that? Let's call it karma. Uh, this healer reaches out and takes the hand of the screwball doctor, and the screwball doctor for, oh gosh, uh, at least, at least a whole minute talks to her and gives her uh, professional answers and helps her to uh, plan for her death. And uh, (laughs) I guess, yes, finally we see that this healer, the holistic one, uh, will sow uh, just as she reaps, or, or not. If Medicare cuts off the funds, nothing will happen. Anyway, getting on is so extreme in its cockeyed confusion that uh, the characters are pretty much played out. By season three, there's nowhere left to go. Uh, They pretty much hit bottom. Now, geriatrics is certainly a terrific subject for human comedy. And the thing is, there's even room for humanity in this show. Uh, Think of the old woman... uh, She said she loved oranges, and she was prevented from having oranges when she was young. And so the the beatific nurse uh, brings her oranges for every meal. And then when it's pretty clear that she's dying, this is the character called Birdie, that nurse sits down and simply puts an orange into her hands and puts her own hands around her. the patients and uh, helps her leave uh, go that is there's another figure uh, a sort of ghost it's uh, actually it's the patient herself she's standing in the doorway and she says to herself lying there on the bed go 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 time to go you know that sort of thing uh, never mind don't tell the story uh, <laughs> 
the nurses on the staff here, uh, once in a while they do put aside their narcissistic and neurotic obsessions and act uh, like human beings, but most of the time they have to cope with the violence of their patients. Uh, these old women are staring death in the face, and they are not just uh, uh, wildly funny, but they're... Uh, to call that uh, powerhouses they're empowered right they're empowered they're they're absolutely horrid i kept looking and thinking maybe some geriatric uh doctors would be offended to see the links to which these old people go uh but the fact is when death is in the room People can do and can say damn near anything. Uh, of course, uh, the result is that they can grasp for one more shot at life. Yes, one more breath. Now, my favorite scene in uh, in getting on was one in which an elderly... Uh, alcoholic uh, she gets drunk she's a very rambunctious woman she won't do what she's told and uh, she doesn't look like she's about to die but they tell her if she takes another drink she will she uh, gets an old friend to come and bring a flask and so they get plastered and they start to recite lines from my favorite old poetry book about Archie and Mahitabel, the cockroach and the cat. Toujours gay, kiddo. That's the book that my mother and her best friend used to uh, read to each other and quote to each other, along with uh, Dorothy Parker and Edna St. Vincent Millay. We're talking about the 1930s, and these old ladies in this show are still back in that era. And... uh, uh Mayedable the cat, she says to Archie the cockroach. Yes, there's a dance in the old dame yet. That's the perfect mantra for this show. Uh, Toujours gay, kiddo, toujours gay, but always the lady, Archie. Now, Mayedable the cat, remember, she believed in the transmigration of the soul or the transfiguration or transmutation. Anyway... She tells Archie she once inhabited the soul of Cleopatra, but as Archie the cockroach explains, uh, Mahitable over the years, well, she has lost some of her more regal manners. I think I have time to read you one little snippet of Mahitable's extensive past. <laughs> Mahitable the cat claims that she has a human soul also, and has transmigrated from body to body. And it may be so, boss. You remember I told you she accused herself of being Cleopatra once. I asked her about Anthony. Anthony who, she asked me. Are you thinking of that song about Rowley and Gammon and Spinach High Ho for Anthony Rowley? No, I said. Mark Antony, the great Roman friend of Caesar. Surely, Cleopatra, you remember J. Caesar. 
Listen, Archie, she said, I have been so many different people in my time, and I have met so many prominent gentlemen. I won't lie to you or stall. I do get my dates mixed sometimes. Think of how much I have had a chance to forget. And I have always made a point of not carrying grudges over from one life to the next, Archie. I have been used, used something fierce in my time. But I am no bum sport, Archie. I am a free spirit, Archie. I look on myself as being quite a romantic character. Oh, the queens I have been. And the swell feeds I have ate. A cockroach which you are, and a poet which you used to be, Archie, couldn't understand. Couldn't understand my feelings at having come down to this. I have had bids to elegant fees where poets and cockroaches would neither be mentioned without a laugh. Neither one. Archie, I have had adventures, but I have never been an adventurous one life up and the next life down, Archie, but always a lady through it all, and a good mixer, too. Always life of the party, Archie, but never anything vulgar. Always free-footed, Archie. Never tied down to a job or housework. Yes, looking back on it all... Ah, I had some romantic lives and some elegant times. I have seen better days, Archie, but what's the use of kicking, kid? It's all in the game, like a gentleman friend of mine used to say. Toujours gay, kiddo. Toujours gay. He was an elegant cat. He used to be a poet himself, and he made up some elegant poetry about me. And him. <laughs> Let's hear it, I said. And Mahidabal recited. <laughs> then there's a long poem uh, that uh, Mahidabal attributes to the boyfriend. I'm going to skip to <clears throat> a little bit I have here at the end. I love this bit. Uh, it's about Mahidabal and her kittens. <laughs> Well, boss, footnote here, uh, Archie the cockroach, he types in a, uh, on a typewriter. It's in the office of a guy who works at a newspaper. He calls him boss. And he leaves, the, the, the guy leaves, the journalist leaves paper in the typewriter for Archie to type every night. And Archie writes, well, boss, Mehitable the cat has reappeared in her old haunts with a flock of kittens. Three of them this time. Archie, she said to me yesterday, the life of a female artist is continually hampered. What in hell have I done to deserve all these kittens? It seems to me life is just one damn kitten after another. I'm a dancer, Archie. Aha. Uh -huh. Of course, I am so full of mother love. My kindness has always been my curse. <laughs> ah, yes. And we come down to the end of this poem. Archie says, Archie says, uh, Mehitable, uh, what happened to those kittens? And she said innocently to me, 
What kittens, Archie? Oh, I wish I'd had time to read that all. Maybe I will next week. This has been Jennifer Stone. Be back on the air next Tuesday. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Nationally popular scientist Michael Shermer is publishing a new book titled Skeptic, Viewing the World with a Rational Eye, a collection of his outstanding columns for Scientific American magazine. Astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson insists Shermer's a beacon of reason in an ocean of irrationality. As we all seem to be floundering about in deepening waters, KPFA is bringing Michael Shermer to town to St. John's Presbyterian Church, 2727 College Avenue in Berkeley on Wednesday evening, January 13th at 7.30. This KPFA benefit has wheelchair access. Philip Maldery will host. Advanced tickets are available at brownpapertickets.com and our supportive independent bookstores. Find more information on kpfa.org about Michael Shermer. Coming January 13th. Hey, this is Caroline Casey, weaver of context for the Visionary Activist Show, a show that aspires to wed spiritual magic and conscious, compassionate social activism. Join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. as we invoke and implement a more ingeniously cooperative and reverent world. Listen.